This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. Yes. This is Tom coming to you from the DC Outpost. He's Nick gone. joins me from the Houston Outpost. We're going to get him to stop celebrating for a second. He's and done it! Not exactly the victory over the Bengals that he's celebrating. It's the victory over communism! It's a victory, a long-standing victory over not the country, but the man, Canada. The dictator's gone, the bridge has fallen, and that was one of the funniest games I can remember us watching, Dad. It started with a 35-yard middle finger up the middle of the field, laser beam to Pat Fryermuth, forgotten man who literally doubled his season totals in one game when the offensive coach says, we're throwing it to you. He said, really? He said, yeah, and you're going to run straight. He said, all right, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Boom, 120 yards. Boom, Kenny Pickett looks like preseason Kenny. If Kenny had played like this the entire season, you know, we wouldn't feel so bad for him. I wouldn't hear Sarah McLaughlin every time he walks on the field. Poor, sad, castrated boy that he's been the past few weeks. Scared to throw at anybody. He's seen guys run right in front of him. He says, no. This time he said, yes. I, I just think, did you expect it to be that much better, Dad? Because I think we probably have tempered expectations, you know, realistic expectations for the Steelers or any football team where, you know, you can't change that much in one week, let alone you can't change that much during a season. If you really look into their practice schedules, there's not a lot of time to do stuff. Uh, and also, yeah, sure, they could throw skinny posts across the middle and they could do all these things now that the dictator's gone, but Tomlin's, Tomlin could have overridden that and had them throw a skinny post at any point during the regular season. So I was shocked to see, what, seven balls completed, five to seven over the middle of the field. Two deep balls were opened up as a result on either side of the field. And it was a massive change, not only in the results of the offense. Yes, I know 16 points, we'll get into that. But not in the results, but the process, like where they attacked. And then obviously in Kenny, everybody's confidence was much larger, but you notice it the most in the quarterback. Did it surprise you that it was that much better? It surprised me that it was that much better, but the change in the game plan didn't because I thought that these guys, they're not going to step up and do what Matt did. <laughs> they're going to do what the fans wanted, which is to go in the middle of the field. That It's probably it's part of the playbook. It's not like they had to change a whole lot. They just had to call those plays. So it made sense to me that this was so painful for the front office to get rid of Canada. They had to show the fans, okay, we're, we're going to make the, we're not just going to fire him, which surprised me, by the way, at this point. But yeah, since they same. fired him, they're going to show real change. And, and let's face it, it, it wasn't like they adopted the single wing. They just did stuff that has been there the whole season. So I'm not surprised they took advantage of it. They the fact that it worked that out. They were in the preseason too, right? The, yeah. the, the fact that it worked out 
was a major surprise, especially because, like they they couldn't magically make Kenny accurate, and for some reason he just looked like he was more accurate, more confident yesterday. The accuracy stuff is a 2023 problem for Kenny too, which is the bizarre uh, factoid that we've sort of lost sight of over the course of this season. We mentioned it after the first few weeks. He's kind of missing wide open guys, which wasn't really one of his his faults from last year. He's got his faults, but missing wide open receivers was not one of them. In the preseason, obviously, he could do no wrong, but last year it wasn't a problem either. And you do just see, oh, it's just confidence, isn't it? Like it truly, you can ruin a young quarterback and you have to feel great for him. Obviously there are, we've brought up a lot of long-term and overall concerns with him the past few weeks. Those aren't erased, but I will say this. If he were playing the way he did against the Bengals, if he played like that for every other game this season, there would be no way we would be on the fence about him. We would say, hey, this is... This is going very well. This is awesome. He's attacking downfield. He's extremely accurate. Okay, he spins into a sack. Okay, he does miss George Pickens on a wide-open big play over the middle of the field. That's, that's fine. We're not looking for him to be perfect. The guy is he's hitting deep balls. He's hitting short balls. He's you know knowing when to get rid of it, yada, yada. And probably by this point in the season, we'd say, hey, maybe now he can turn into the two touchdown per game, throwing a couple three touchdown games in there. But you have to feel amazing for Kenny who looked a thousand percent better, and it really seemed to be a confidence thing and a little bit of a an fu sort of let me play, especially from that first throw. But the guy had three third down conversion throws of like twenty plus yards. I mean, he was super aggressive. Yeah, it makes you wonder um, what was the relationship with Canada? Was Canada holding him back against his will? Uh, was Canada protecting him? Yeah. Um, did Kennedy just feel like got nothing to lose this game? Yeah, I think it's certainly a confluence of all those factors. And I think the biggest factor that the public loses sight of is that the football coaches, they want to win games. They want to win every game. And they're not as hyper-focused on on this giant big-picture thing because they know the big picture doesn't come unless you develop guys. Like I, I think the Steelers waiting so long to play Broderick and Joey Porter Jr. has pissed off fans a little bit more than it has pissed off me because I'd say from my experience, the Steelers in this era, when they've drafted well, they've done a really good job integrating their rookies and they all kind of integrate halfway through the year. So I always viewed those as semi-frustrating processes, but just try to remind myself, hey, I'm not going to judge this to like week nine. If they're still not playing week 10, 12, then we got a problem. But sure enough, those guys worked their way in one way or another. I get that. That's long-term thinking. Even though Benton and Broderick Jones and Joey Porter were killing it early in the season with limited sample size. But I knew that Tomlin's probably like, good, that's it. That's your pitch count, yada, yada. With Kenny and not letting him go down the field, I think they're trying to win every game. And they noticed, hey, we can win basically every game right now, except for against these really good teams, if we just don't turn the ball over, which once again, they almost got away with. Um, And I think that it, it combines that with just being too close to the problem and, and uh, yeah, they created a monster that way with, with the lack of aggression. And so obviously you get that Antonio Pierce bump for the Raiders when the big bad witch is gone in Oakland or in Las Vegas, you know, Jeff Saturday even wins a game for the Colts last year when he comes in before he loses every other game. And by the way, I think Antonio Pierce has lost his game since. So there's always something that gets shaken up with the team when you make a firing. Sometimes it's a positive thing, 
he's gone, yes. Sometimes it's a, oh crap, we're all about to be gone and we need to put out good tape. And sometimes it's just simply a shakeup. But obviously you notice the confidence in Kenny. Najee Harris was back to being what he was at the end of last season where he remembered, oh, if I just run straight, I'm the best power running back in the entire league. And he carried 22 people on one play. He had a, a 30-yard carry where he was the he was the blob. He carried every human on the field. He looked like the insane. queen bee with all the drones being carried through. Yeah, he was stopped. He was stopped in that scrum. And man, he, uh, yeah, and it shows the benefit of this two-back system. It really does. You, so that's kind of what I felt after watching the game is I feel so good for all the players, but particularly for Najee and Kenny, the maligned, kind of justifiably so, first-round picks. Like, look, first-round picks are supposed to be above system and scheme. You know, They should be doing great things. So we're not going to absolve them of earlier performances, but it it's not illegal to put players in positions to succeed. And the Steelers seemed to think that way before this game. So I felt really good for those guys. And you just see how much gets opened up when there's just a little bit of success. It opens up those deep passes down the sideline to pick-ins and to to Deontay. So that's just a shocking thing because these passes were open. You could have, Tomlin could step in at any point, like we need to attack down the middle early and he never did. And so it surprises me that it was such a sea change with their strategy. And I just think they were, they were so much better. And if they had looked like this to every game up until this point, we would feel very differently about their future. And this is awesome. Do I think it's going to continue to this extent for the rest of the season? Personally, I don't see why not. Like, I know this, and the Steelers are about to play a bunch of bad pass defenses and, and not great defenses. I'm not saying they're going to be this incredible offense because they weren't incredible against the Bengals, but they were good and they were functional and there was a lot of potential. And if you can get past that toddler preschool offense you have before now you can start making the judgments of okay do we need where do we improve on the fringes Kenny needs to not whiff on the on the wide open throw to Pickens now we can be a little bit more picky on that no pun intended Deontay squeeze the ball catch the ball dude like don't leave room for doubt we can get more picky about the fringes now that they seem to have some sort of watchable offense uh, coming together do you know do you think the Steelers would have scored? Where did, what's the problem with the scoring? Why didn't they get the ball over the goal line more? So I think that this is just what's going to happen in, in the NFL. And look at this year. The whole league isn't even scoring over like 21 points a game or whatever it is. So this is where the good offenses separate themselves from the very good ones. And it's details and situationalism. So... Mike Tomlin not challenging the Deontay catch is brutal. He's historically very, very bad at challenging. It's not just a talking point. It's the difference in games. You know, the Jesse James caught it game against the Patriots where Ben threw the touchdown to Jesse, and then it gets overturned. He throws the interception to Eli Rogers. Even that was still bad planning by the coaching. If you remember, they threw a crossing route to DHB. He didn't get all the way out of bounds, and they did not have another play called, so they just... It had a one-on-eight. <laughs> Eli Rogers run a slant in the end zone. That's coaching. Most other teams have a play call. So Mike Tomlin did cost them a, a touchdown there. And then the other one is details. Deontay can just catch it, right? We all think George Pickens is holding on to that ball to the bottom. 
right? So that's a little bit of a fluky situation there. And then Jalen Warren, who never fumbles, fumbles in enemy territory. And so you knock some points off the board there. And let me see. Those weren't on the same possession, were they? Potentially. But regardless, either way, you could have gotten over 20. And neither one of us was sitting here saying they should score 30. You would have felt great if they had scored 21, 24 points. Are you um, are you sanguine with uh, Tomlin punting when we were in Cincinnati territory? Thank you. Yes, that's another one. Yeah, just in a perfect fourth and two. What is their 42-yard line? This is the exact time to go. You leave points on the board. So those are the fringes that actual offenses operate in. Like, crap, we only got 16 today. Usually for the Steelers, that's the difference between three and six. So we're happy that they were they were able to sort of escalate from there. And you saw the whole team got a lift from it. And like I said, I don't see why that wouldn't continue because the maladies from Canada were so annoyingly obvious. They did still run in second and 10 every once in a while, but you don't need to do it every time. You can throw posts. Those are allowed. That kind of stuff changes the way the defense has to play you entirely because it doesn't just get you, oh, now we got 70 70 yards off of post plays. It also opens up plays on the outside because the defense actually has to say, well, crap, they might throw to Fryermuth down the middle. So, yeah, I think that it will continue. That's exciting, and hopefully, I'm sure they will have some stinkers. This, This whole offense has issues. There's termites in the offense. There's a lot. It's like a glorious sort of New Orleans mansion in the quarter. We're like, if we could fix this thing up, this thing is top tier. There's real talent here. There's Pickens. There's Warren, yada, yada. But, you know, Deontay still stops playing in the middle of the game, and he's whining, blowing his nose while a fumble is occurring, and the other team is trying to run it back for a touchdown, when, of course, who else? A Hayward is going to perform a perfect form tackle on the guy. (laughs) Like, the least surprising tackle ever. Oh, Connor Hayward's probably a starting inside linebacker. Why don't we throw him back there? But yeah, so there's, those issues were already there, and we never denied them, but we just said, you know, for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens to combine for like one yard per game, well, they're, they're better than that. Hey, as you know, um, we did miss last week's episode, but you and I, in a vaunted effort, had to fight through COVID. We did. <laughs> Unfortunately, we, we already recorded get the episode it. Out. We recorded it, and then the next day, COVID... Um, Canada was fired, and we figured we can't put on an episode without talking about that, and we were laid out flat watching next couple Alabama-Auburn and assorted games. So sorry about that, but and I do have to go to work now. Nick, you want to yeah. carry on and finish the yeah, episode? Yeah, I'll carry on. I'll sign off real quick here, but uh, I'll sign off with you, hit you up later, well, celebrate properly by conducting good meetings with good offense. Over that, bye-bye. Yeah, so it, it's glorious. This is what we expected to see after the preseason. We knew it wasn't going to be a touchdown on every possession like the preseason was, but this is more than acceptable for where the Steelers and where Kenny and where Najee as a running back tandem could be at this point in the season. So that's, that's phenomenal. There are issues, like we said, and I still think George Pickens could get utilized a bit more but once again if Kenny hits that wide open one over the middle of the field which he was hitting you know in the preseason and last year he did a better job hitting George over the middle of the field kind of in crunch time that that takes George Pickens numbers up by you know 30 
plus yards. Who knows? And then at that point, I don't think George is going to care that much if he's on that four catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown route because you know he's catching a bomb. The bomb throws by Kenny were spectacular. Awesome throw to Pickens. Awesome throw to Deontay. Deontay's still going to have some nightmare games. It is what it is. But either way, just a, a huge moment for the Pittsburgh Steelers where they could become a little dangerous if they can keep this going. And one of the last things I'll leave us with is it's hilarious to me that this Canada issue is largely caused by Mike Tomlin and just the Steelers' brain trust. We assume. We assume. I think the Roonies must be in there as well. And what I mean by the problem is just the, the sticking to Canada and the complete lack of utilization of a, an NFL playbook for such a long time and sort of getting lost in the sauce. They've mentioned in press conferences that they thought it was far more valuable to keep the play caller in place than to change this, the play caller for Kenny Pickett. They don't want him to have one coordinator as a rookie and then another coordinator as a second-year guy. That's the kiss of death. We've talked about it on the podcast Another bad option is to give him the worst play caller in the entire NFL and of possibly the last 10 years of the NFL, his rookie year and sophomore year. But apparently they deem that the lesser of two evils. Now they've admitted they're wrong. I hope that they remember that they were wrong because they need to try things sometimes when it's not working. And that little confirmation bias from beating crappy teams or beating AFC North teams who are good, but you're just familiar with them, they can't use that as you know, a North Star in terms of thinking that they're a good team. But the issue is kind of caused by Mike Tomlin, but the fact that the team mostly kept its mouth shut throughout this extremely drawn-out process of the dictatorship is a testament, it's a testament to what an insanely... Whew, way too many T's, you guys. The fact that nobody freaked out until basically last week is a compliment to Mike Tomlin. So many of these other teams, look at the Jets, look at all these teams around the league. They complain about the play calling. They sulk. They do this. They do that. It's been incredible to see the Steelers mostly keep it together over the course of the season. Yeah, you got George Pickens. George is a diva receiver. Like He's going to do that in a year where he has 200 catches. We've seen it before. But it's pretty crazy that they towed the company line like that. Kenny towed the company line like that for as long as they did. And then to see the celebration in the locker room after. I know it's not ding-dong, the witch is dead, Canada. It's more like... Yes, we play the way we knew we could play. But it's awesome to see, and it is funny just to see the two sides of that. Mike kind of caused the issue with his compass, but he also prevented the issue from completely splintering the team with his compass. And now we'll see what he can do next with the Steelers looking like a watchable team because that was awesome. Obviously, defensively, Jake Browning is not going to do a ton for you. And the Steelers are about to play a few more quarterbacks like that until they get deeper into their season. And that's the look of the draw. That's the look of the draw sometimes. And I think that they're just doing what they need to do. But you notice how a competent 16 points offense makes every other part of the football team better. I think they only had 40-some snaps. So they were able to get pressure late in the game much better than they've been able to in the past few years when they usually sort of die out. The outside passes were actually more open as a result of using the interior part of the field. Everything gets affected by that. So that was a really fun game to watch. 
basically what you're going to need to do to become a great offense or a great quarterback is the red zone. That's kind of, that's always the thing. If you remember during the Killer Bees era, we were always trying to get to that 30 points per game average number, and we actually never really got there. Kind of hovering around 28, 29. Sure, there were streaks of 30. There were good games, but the big issue was always the red zone. They were always middle of the pack in the red zone because Todd Haley's got some real funky play sequencing over there, and a lot of that's where you got to make, you got to just make great play calls or, you know, maybe Ben, when he's younger, he could just run around and sprint around and buy time, but that doesn't even do much for you. So yes, there are next levels to the offense that we can look at, but we are not there. And frankly, we're not even there this season, maybe the last game or two, or maybe you'd like to see something like that in the playoffs, but we just need to see them string together games like this for the rest of the year. And yeah, don't turn the ball over in the red zone. Score over 20 points. Of course, that'll be the next goal. But really what we want to see next week is, yeah, let's see them move the ball again. I think they, I don't think they had any three and outs in this game. It was incredible. So just awesome to see for the Steelers. I do think that they'll be able to keep it going next week. And yeah, pumped. It's awesome. Hit us up on Twitter, Steelers Outpost. Steelers at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers.